Welcome to the Beginner's Handbook. In this episode, we are going to talk about railroading. But before we start, I'm Jamie. And I'm Jordan. Right, so what do we actually mean by railroading? I suppose that's a good place to start. So what is railroading to you, Jordan? For me, I would say railroading... Let's just take a game of D&D. Um, although this is kind of relevant for any role-playing game that yep. you might actually yep. play. Uh, railroading to me is when you can... Uh, Let's, if you think about it like you've got a game and the story is on a track or well, like a railroad um, and you're, you've got stuff happening along the way your players might be wanting to do certain things you railroading it is when you force players to be on that track um, and for the most part you might find good examples of railroading being if somebody comes up to a certain choice and they might think they've got options if you take them away from them so they can only do one thing or nothing that's a good example of railroading I think that I've got what about you? yeah <clears throat> yeah, so basically that, you're essentially eliminating the player's free will to make their own choice mm. and you're forcing them down a path that is fixed. So again, just like Jordan was saying, being stuck on a train, yep. trains don't tend to move any other direction than forwards and backwards and if they do then you're probably in trouble, but that's that's a different topic for a different type of podcast I think. Well that might be under some of the ones about running games and creating <laughs> games and how actually there's narrative things that you can do to avoid or at least reduce the railroading that you might need to do or we'll maybe come on to this later on but mm-hmm. there's things that you can always do in your stories because if, if you're doing a longer campaign or even I think published ones can be difficult to not railroad people there's, there's a guy that is a one of the, a long term player, long time player of mine, friend. Um, he started doing one of these longer campaigns he bought because he's making his own. He's been encouraged to mm-hmm. do his own, and he's super enthusiastic about it. But he thought for his his first experience, he would do a store bought campaign. But he he's openly said at the table, he's like, I don't know how to make you guys do play this without forcing you to do stuff. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely narrative things that you can do in your stories to. Keep it moving, but not make it feel like railroading, or just circumvent that entirely, depending on how modular your story is overall. And yeah. so, yeah, I yeah, yeah. I mean, on that note, it is probably it is probably railroading is more likely to occur on something that is bought, um, because you physically got <laughs> the story written in front of you and key events and other you know other stages other milestones that the players will hit as they're working through that adventure whereas if it's something that you've created because you've created it then halfway through if you suddenly decide that you don't like one thing that you planned then you can flex it and change it and you're maybe you know less anxious about following the steps through and again if you're a more experienced player then again you're probably less anxious about going off script whereas if you're newer and then you're buying something because it's got the adventure in it and it's got everything there and it's got the plan and you can follow it through then I think that's probably where it more more often occurs but doesn't necessarily mean that's the case so is there's any experienced players out there that have had experiences where they've been railroaded or they've <laughs> they're the conductor and they're firing the train down the track let us know how that went whether it was good whether it was bad because as we're going to come on to in a minute railroading isn't necessarily a bad thing and 
it might sound a bit strange when we started off by saying removing a player's free will but we'll get onto that in a little minute so if it's ever happened to you then you know let us know so if you're on youtube there's comments underneath get different social media options that you can get in touch with us as well so there's discord there's facebook um twitter as well if you want to fire that in there is instagram but that might be a bit strange but you know why not why not leave a comment there and let us know about railroading maybe we'll get some nice pictures of trains and upload them for you yeah definitely and what we were just saying there actually fits quite well into you know we've just spoke about our initial thoughts about what railroading is actually like and what it means kind of to us what's the definition of it and you mentioned there it being maybe not as bad and things like that have you actually ever had an experience you could share? Just it might just be worth. Um, I I will have had an experience where things have have been railroaded, but it's happened at a time that either I've been a newer player, so I've not really spotted it, or it's been a kind of one-off event, and it's been. You know, it's it's not been enough that it's ruined your day or your week or whatever. Yeah. So uh, it, it it will have happened because you know it's just it's just more than likely it's happened. Um, me personally, I've I have railroaded players, but that's because it was like the first campaign that I ran, and again, although I came up with the story elements um, because I was I was anxious about things like time and running over and things I was kind of trying to force things a bit quicker at times then I realised that I was ahead of schedule and that there was still lots of time so then I was trying to force everybody back and then after that um, I had a kind of set piece that I wanted everybody to do and one of the characters tried to kill the kind of main enemy that was going to initiate a big chase so I was a bit upset about that so I, I, I can't remember how I kind of wiggled it to make mm-hmm. the chase happen but anyway so that didn't happen and you know the different bits and pieces so I've uh, I've been there and I've done it and I've done it quite spectacularly I think um, and it, ultimately there was other things that happened in that game that we'll not go into in detail but th- things were going wrong it threw me off my rhythm and it kind of it made me do the thing that I told myself I wasn't going to do at the start which is force everybody down a, a line but I just felt that the game was going so chaotic beforehand that I thought no no this, the, the plan stick to the plan there's some <laughs> there's some shred of hope in there and uh, I, I don't think there was. But uh, yeah, so that was kind of <laughs> my experience of it. But what about yourself? Can you think of anything that jumps out to you, maybe as a newer player, maybe as a more experienced player? Or there, There's a... Hmm. Actually, I've not done a lot. There's certain elements of railroad and I've used, but then... Hmm. As, a, if, as a DM, you mean? Yeah. yeah, as a DM, but then it's not. But now I don't tend to do that, mostly because the games that I'm doing, even if it's something super scary, if it's a cult game or Cthulhu game or any other variation of game mm-hmm. like Morkborgs, 
it's really horrible and disgusting but it's dead fun and you mm-hmm. know it's, it's it's funny it's black metal apocalyptic RPG playing mm-hmm. um, but I don't just because of that more light heartedness even with the more serious games it's not happened so much but I do have an example of one that happened earlier this week where it was a guy doing his first new game ever it was his first time now he's, he's done role playing games but he's never well the first time he played D&D was with us and this is at mm-hmm. the local comic shop I go to and this was his first time running a D&D game. So it means mm-hmm. he probably played it for three or four months at this point, like mm-hmm. actually D&D as a player. Um, but what happened with his game, he had this kind of idea that he wanted to do. He wanted this particular thing. He wanted, he was certainly like, I'm not getting any weapons. And that's like our party's only strong suits. Fighting and killing, that's literally it. So he's like, I'm taking them all away. So what tended to happen, the game wasn't that great, but the thing was the guy would still, he put a lot of thought into it, the concept was, was reasonable mm-hmm. and I mean ultimately after an hour of, I think I rolled a dice once within the first hour of the game and didn't get any more for, you know, probably, I probably get another five or six, four or five for the next three hours after that, so I hardly ever even touched a dice, mm-hmm. you know, um, but was that like one and a half rolls every hour? Yeah, pretty much. And the thing is, I decided like, it was the guys knew it. So it was like, whatever. Mm-hmm. There was other people at the table getting really naffed off with because for them, it was like they never get any choice in anything. The DM mm-hmm. actually was rolling on our behalf behind the DM screen. So I was surprised at that as somebody that's played D&D for three or four months. But, you know, it's just, there's a lot of pressure when you've got six other people or seven other people mm-hmm. even around the table. Yeah. You're in a comic shop, everything's loud. It was roasting on Monday night for some reason as well. Mm-hmm. So the guy was clearly just stressed out a bit. So mm-hmm. I did say to some of the other players, like, like just, just calm it down. His first time. Yeah. And he, he, has, he, t- he totally railroaded it. There was almost no player choice or player agency at all in that entire mm-hmm. game. You know, and that was about four hours of, of, of play. Um, so in, in terms of actually a good D&D game it wasn't so much but that's definitely one where from start the first start to the end he would ask us what do you want to do and if we if, it, if we did something that he hadn't planned for and he did say mm-hmm. this later on then he would basically say no or it would make it impossible for us to do it for whatever reason mm-hmm. um, and it meant that we just had to do we'd need to just guess what he wanted us to do and say that and says okay you can do it you've done it do not I mean he didn't even roll mm-hmm. we didn't roll um, it was literally just him narrating a story that he'd made, with occasionally asking us what we wanted to do. With the occasional guest actor. Yeah, well, well that was it. It was He'd ask us what we want to do, but if it wasn't what he thought we should do, then the answer was no, you know. Um, so it was pretty brutal railroading, mm. to be honest. But that was definitely an example as a player. But as a DM, um, I, recently I did a Pulp Cthulhu game, I put it in space, and there was stuff where some of the players were... Uh, I'm trying to do something a bit different with that because I've not done a lot of Cthulhu in the last maybe couple of months or, or a wee bit longer than that. Done bits here and there, but mm-hmm. it's been mostly D&D. Um, so it's maybe not so much railroading and dropping hints, but I suppose technically you could call it railroading when you've, you've got a story and you want to move it along. Um, I had players in space and they're looking at this computer's terminals and for some mm-hmm. reason there's no operating system on them and one of them's dead techie so that they know the jargon so yeah. it was a perfect yeah. character for them um although the computer worked and it looked like there was a system but there wasn't so he's going what is this we've been taken over by like espionage bots or something like that or some ai's taken over the ship he was making his own thing but they spent about and to be honest i'm not super precious about time 
especially if I know the game's not going to be long or if I know it's going to take two nights or mm-hmm. a night and an hour I'll let stuff kind of go on if, if players want it to but they spent about 30-40 minutes mm-hmm. going oh the computer terminals poof, trying to get all these answers and I'm kind of going my god <laughs> like they were fine but what I'd done instead of saying right, you can't do that anymore move on mm-hmm. I was kind of doing things like oh there's this noise outside and I had stuff mm-hmm. basically I had the story still happening even though they weren't present for it, because yeah. why not? So I suppose technically that's railroading a bit, because the story's still on tracks and it's still moving. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I, I allow the, I, the way that I've done it, at least when I have had to railroad stuff, is I still give the players the choice to engage or not. Yeah, and yeah. things will happen. You know, yeah, the yeah. carrots there. They, mm-hmm. It's up to them if they want to grab it or not. Yeah, rather than forcing them and yeah beating them with a stick until they <laughs> until they leave the room. Yeah, yeah well, definitely, I've definitely had experience like, like that as well. Well, mm-hmm. but um where it's just you've got to do it or else like I've had it oh you want to do that well you need to roll a dex check and if you fail it's like 20 d10 nothing that bad but certainly stuff that's mm-hmm. it's been like you've been punished for maybe not doing something you know that's mm-hmm. been planned out before um railroading i think for me is a very interesting subject because I know people that do it and they, they openly say, yeah, I don't care about my players want to do. They, they can get railroaded. Mm-hmm. Recently spoke to a Cthulhu keeper um, and he basically wants everyone to die. He always wants at least two people to die in his games or one if it's a group of four. Mm-hmm. So he makes sure that happens all the time. So it's like, he <laughs> tends to force people into stuff and feel like, oh, I don't know about that. But mm. if that's what they're happy with doing, that's fine. I'm not, I'm not there to judge the, the style or anything, but... It's something that it seems like some people are happy to do, and they don't mm-hmm. know that bothered. Mm-hmm. I don't. I do it to some degree with keeping the story moving, but other than that, I'm not. Players still get choice. Do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. there's there's elements of railroading, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I think that's maybe my side and what's happened mm-hmm. to my experience, even with railroading. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I so I think then kind of it might be worth maybe mentioning then. In your own words, like, or at least in your experience, why is it you think railroading happens in the first place? I've kind um, of covered some of it, but if there's any yeah, other... Yeah, so for me, it's kind of two, two main reasons that it happens for me. The first one, and I think the most common one, is just people with a kind of lack of familiarity or That's not being point. comfortable or you, you know whatever it is so you've got somebody that's a new dm and again we kind of touched on this a little at the start that literally brand new and they're trying to find their feet so they get a, a pre-made adventure they open it up and it's got a list of things to do in it so they go through it just like a checklist going right, done the first thing, done the second thing, done the third thing. And if something doesn't happen in that, creates panic. And then they try everything to get them back onto that list so that they can keep working their way through and ticking yeah, it through. Yeah, so sense. to me, it's, you know, it's a combination of different things. You know, it's either a lack of familiarity or you've got somebody who is be a bit nervous about you know being a DM for the first time or you, you, whatever kind of combination but the, the long and the short lack of experience and then you've got the other factors that give it the context and then the other side of the coin for me is ego so you've got somebody that's came up with a story or adventure and in their head they've got different 
different things that they want to happen. And if the players start going off in a different tra- trajectory, then rather than going, right, okay, well, that's what the players want to do, or I'll let them go do that and then gradually I'll work it back to mm-hmm. the conclusion, or do you know what? I'm going to come up with something on the spot because they're moving completely in the opposite direction. It's, it's ego because they're wanting their thing to happen and how do they make whatever story element happen that they've penned? Well, they need to get them moving back towards it, so they need to force, whether it's travel, whether it's choices, whether mm-hmm. it's encounters with other people, you know, monsters, whatever. Um, so it, that, to me, is the two main things. One, again, first one, lack of familiarity, lack of confidence, and then the other side, which is you know, placing your story or your set piece or, you know, whatever it is above the players and what they're doing. So that's that's the kind of two two things for me. But what about yourself? What do you think is the main reason for it? I wouldn't have actually said either of those. It just never crossed my mind. Like, the, the inexperienced one's actually a good point because that was, like, the example I just gave yeah. of that guy was somebody that was his first time playing a game or running a game yeah first time running but he's been playing for a yeah. decent chunk of time and even with that experience because it's mm-hmm. the first time running it it's like when, stage fright yeah and, and not having not following the dots mm-hmm. on the map so to speak or, yeah. or ticking off all the checks on mm-hmm. your list the check boxes on the list it yeah, it's just that that's exactly what happened with the guy, you know, mm. part, maybe in part with the stress of running a game in a public place and blah, blah, mm. blah, blah, blah. But, um, no, that's actually a really good point. Yeah. And the ego thing's certainly something, because I've, I've definitely had experiences when I've been playing games, and I, I, th- th- there's one experience I had, and I won't go into too much detail about it, but there was a horror game we were doing, mm. and, you know, we all had it was the alien RPG we played mm-hmm. and it was the guy's I think it was his first time running it so it was maybe partly some of the stuff you're talking about already yeah, yeah, lack of familiarity I remember talking to the guy and he was, like before the game it turns out I knew him just out of the blue I didn't mm-hmm. realise I knew the guy or I knew him through someone else and I'd met him yeah um, so how, how did that game come about again was that through how did that come about you told me but I can't remember I, it came about actually through it was someone else that had asked me to if I would be interested in uh-huh. playing it, and then I get invited to the Discord group, um, and yeah, 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 I then met the guy, and I was like, that name rings a bell, and like, I've been around that area for like f- eight to ten years or something. Like I, mm-hmm. I've been there a lot, so there's a lot of people I'll bump into when I'm out mm-hmm. there, you know. Um, but I, anyway, so he came in. I, I ended up it was a cousin of one of the guys that was a pal. But I didn't know my pal was playing, so it was through another pal and all that stuff. Yeah, it was just yeah, funny yeah. how it came together. But anyway, the guy that was running it, I remember just chatting to him um, about it before the game, like pre-game, just like character mm-hmm. stuff, just between me and him, because I was going to be playing somebody with an ulterior motive, an android who was actually a bad guy. Or not really bad, but I don't care about... It was just misunderstood. <laughs> yes, uh, well, basically, it had no regard for the, the crewmates' lives, so as long as I was getting what I wanted, so I don't see that as being mm-hmm. a bad guy. He's just a robot and that's what I played um, but uh, he basically when I spoke to him about it he's like yeah and he was like he was talking about it and he could tell he thought he was the best DM or GM in the world and I was like going like he was saying how basically we, we spent an hour and a half talking about his games and not 
back what, at it, creation. <laughs> what was going to be happening next week or whatever, yeah. And I don't want to knock, like, the thing is, some people really love running games. I love running games, mm. and if somebody asked me about doing games, I'll explain stuff and explain maybe what the games are about. I was recently at, out with some folk I know that don't know anything about it, and I tried to describe. But I thought, I'm not going to try and describe a D&D game or anything. I've said, think of like a murder mystery, because a lot of them are horror that I do. Mm-hmm. Murder mystery, but without dressing up in suits. You know, <laughs> that's basically it. Sit around a table. Okay. We go start dressing up. That's larping. Yeah, it was a different subject. Yes, maybe we'll do an episode on larping where we actually larp as our characters. Oh no! Yeah, oh, no, 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 no. I think that would be fun. That's a Halloween episode. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah. So I mean, I get being into it. You know, I don't think that's a problem. But there was just I was a bit like, oh no. Like I thought, this guy's just going to take the reins and mm. it's going to be really like brutal but anyway it was what ended up happening was I had this big reveal I'm sure I've maybe talked about this before um, but there was this big reveal with my character and I was like going to say I'm an android and I had my glistening eyes ready I had all the stuff and all mm-hmm. the clues were falling into place and I dropped the hints and nobody had picked it up um, but he was like he decided that wasn't important <laughs> and he made that very clear during the game no, that's not important like, he's an android and I was like what? Like, I've like, what? We've played this for five hours, you know? So I was like, ah, but it's because he was like, my thing's more important, you know? I was like, ah, oh, damn it. You know, I was like, whatever, it doesn't matter. You know, it's his game. Yeah. So, but anyway, so in terms of uh, why else it might happen, I think actually trying to wrap up stuff, like a story, mm-hmm. is one. Uh, and I would also say time constraints as well. And I don't mean just for trying to wrap up a game. Like, time constraints... Mm-hmm. For example, going back to the, the local comic shop, we've been doing cycling D- DMs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so the same story, but we're recycling DMs and switching them out, and the new DM takes the story in a direction that you want. Um, it turns out we're not going to do that anymore because the, the guy that s- suggested the idea didn't like the idea of his story being changed every every few weeks, you know. So, you know... Kind of coming back to ego a bit yeah, there, isn't it? I, yeah. he, he, I remember first time I met the, the oh, guy. What do you mean you're doing your own thing? <laughs> I remember when they first suggested that I was kind of like, I don't know if that's a good idea. It's like, how come? I said, I think someone's going to get upset. <laughs> I meant him. Cough. Um, and they did get upset. But, mm. you know, whatever. It happens. Um, but, for example, though, even just using that to say, okay, I'm going to finish my game this week and it's now your turn. I know I need to finish it this week. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. So then you kind of shoehorn people, or shoehorn things in, and you start mm-hmm, railroading. Mm-hmm. Um, the other, th- that so that's like trying to wrap something up. Well, that's sorry, that's a time constraint. But trying to wrap story elements up, like mm-hmm. I've been doing a game for over a year, oh, almost a year. I in a few weeks it'll be a year, two years, not a year. Um, and basically we've got stuff. It is a time limited story, not like our time like mm-hmm. playing the game but actually in the story the guys have got a certain amount of time to do something before this big catastrophe happens yeah. um, narratively happens mm-hmm. that is so there's certain things that you know I'm having happen going back to what I was saying earlier though like that story is always going to move the players could sit in a tavern for the next three weeks in game you know mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they're going to miss a whole like big assassination attempt and all that and stuff they're going to miss it mm-hmm. so but I can, I think sometimes though if you've not had that experience maybe what you might do is you'll just start refusing people doing certain things mm-hmm. you know I've had players say I want to go to a, a mine so I made a wee mine scenario for them mm-hmm. and that was not part of the story but they went I wanted to do it so I said I ah, can go do it and I just went okay everything's going to keep ticking the story's mm-hmm. going to keep ticking but they can go and do that 
they'll get some cool magic and level up as a reward once they finish it. Mm-hmm. But the story's moved. Whereas what might happen if someone's going to railroad that kind of more formally mm-hmm. railroad it is they'll just say, can't do that. No. You're not allowed to do it. Mines don't exist. Mines. There's never been a mine in D&D ever. Dwarfs just are from the sky this time. Right. Living um, skyscrapers. Don't be ridiculous. Yeah, and I think the thing is it's not always like it's bad. Railroading mm. is something that I think happens more often than people realise. Mm-hmm. But it gets called railroading when you remove the player choice. That's the kind of main difference because having any progression of story and kind of forcing that either narratively or directly is railroading, even if you're okay with it. Yeah. And there is games that are built in ways that are linear and you have to do certain things that it can't progress. Mm-hmm. It's up to you as a DM, though, to make sure that you can maybe have alternative ways to get the same stuff to happen. But you don't get that mm-hmm. with without experience, you know. Going back to my pal that's doing his published campaign and he's really struggled and he was like, oh, you guys are fighting the fort. And if you fight the fort, you're all going to die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I put a mask on this dude and he ran towards the fort and they all blit him up with arrows. But and he's like, but he can't do it. And the poor guy gets stressed. He was mm-hmm. like, as a, play, a DM in real life, gets super stressed about it. But I was just saying to him after he took a break, and I just said to the guy, look, <laughs> you can have us get knocked out. We can be arrested, you know, you mm-hmm. can take us to zero HP but make it unconscious, un- non-lethal, because mm-hmm. that's all in the rules, you know. So it, th- there's a bit of flexibility that comes once you kind of get used to it. Um, mm-hmm. And everybody that's ran a game, ourselves included, and anyone listening or watching, will know mm-hmm. you can plan everything, but the players will still not do any of those things. It doesn't yep. matter what it is. Mm-hmm. The Pulp Cthulhu game I had, there's literally nothing you can do in the introduction except the three things that kind of triggers the whole event mm-hmm. and it still took over an hour because I was not railroading them for it. You know, I just had other things happen. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Top tip right there. If you want your players to do something, plan everything other than that one thing and then they'll do it. That's maybe the way to make people do stuff as well. You plan everything except the one thing which you don't plan but you're aware of and then you just know they're going to do it. Exactly. Whatever you've not put in a bullet point is not happening. Or whatever you've not put in a bullet point will happen, I should say. But yeah, I think that's a couple of the reasons, or at least four, I think mm-hmm. we've gave as to why railroading could happen. There's going to be, going to be plenty of other reasons for it too, but that's just a few of them. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, but why then? So, in terms of railroading and something linear then, like, how, mm-hmm. how does that come about? You know, what what does railroading in a linear experience mean to you? So, I mean, just to kind of give a bit more context before we jump into that, a lot of stories are linear and some are non-linear, some are modular, although I'd maybe yeah. lump that in with non-linear for the purposes of railroading. Yeah, yeah um, so, again, like Jordan's saying there, there is a defined plot line that you need to, well, not need to follow that is to be followed versus something that is open world or sandbox or yeah. you know whatever other way you want to think about it yeah so what is in terms of then what's your thoughts on railroading and linear experiences then like is that something that is it bad good is it worse in it if you railroad at the more kind of serious side of mm-hmm. the spectrum is it worse in a linear campaign or something like what's your I, thoughts I would probably say it's in, in terms of like linear versus open world sandbox whatever I would say it's more forgivable in something that's linear because you know if it's a one shot or a, a short campaign or whatever you're you're working through the events to get to the end whereas if it's open world and it's something that can last you know 
months, years, whatever, then railroading people into doing something is kind of defeating the purpose of it being open world, is defeating the purpose of them exploring yeah. and doing their own thing. If you're going, no, no, but you definitely need to go here, or no, no, you definitely need to go there, or, you know, what, you know, whatever it happens to be, whereas when it's, when it's linear, even if you didn't railroad them, even if you had a perfect group of players that went from plot element A to B to C to the end, mm-hmm. then you go, well, they're still moving in that defined path. Anyway, so whether yeah. it's with your influence, whether it's with the game's influence, other players, you know, whatever, they're still progressing through. So I think in a linear story, it's more forgivable than open world, but... Do you know what... I think that's a good point, and we can come into the open world stuff as in, in a second in more detail if you have any other thoughts on that. But um, with linear, I mean, it's kind of railroaded to some degree anyway. I mean, if you think of the Tomb of Horrors and D&D, which is like, if you're familiar with the Tomb of Horrors, um, I think that's what it's called. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I think the, the module's called Tomb of Annihilation and the original thing's Tomb of Horrors. <laughs> Super brutal d- dungeon. Basically, around every corner, you're screwed. That's The whole purpose of it is to screw up your characters. I watched uh, some gameplay of level 20 characters do it and they still couldn't do it. I think they all died in the end. I can't remember what happened. Um, but, I mean, ultimately, that's a linear thing. You want to get to the end of it. You know, mm-hmm. Even when we speak about open-world stories, there's still usually a definitive, this is what you want to do. It's just that the choice to do these things and or mm-hmm. and the order that you want to do them in can be flexible. Whereas when it's linear, it's maybe not so much. Uh, an example that I done recently, I introduced one of the guys I've been playing with on Mondays, um, D and D with on Mondays to Cthulhu recently, mm-hmm. and I thought I'll maybe dust out one of the old um, uh, scenarios that I've uh, bought years ago, and it's called Necropolis. It's a it's set in Cairo in the, the Valley of the Ancients or Valley of the Kings that's Valley what it is Kings, yeah. um, and it's in, it's not actually in a pyramid it turns out I did that totally wrong I read it backwards it's just a cave I think I can't remember exactly yeah so like for anyone that doesn't know the Valley of the Kings the tombs are carved into the walls of the valley and then go in and down so it's not actually yep. the pyramid it's into the actual cliff face I had no idea at the time of running <laughs> that game for these guys So, but when I done it with this guy, these guys I knew it because I had all these pyramid pictures mm. and a Rule 20 screen set up and I went oh Christ none of this is actually right whoops um, but anyway I changed it and uh, <laughs> well, the funny thing is see although I know that about the Valley of the Kings I still didn't pick up on that in the game I was just I was just too busy going along with what was being said. It's funny. Thinking that we're in a pyramid. Yeah, it's no, funny. Pyramids aren't there, though. Yeah, because I wonder, how the hell do you get stuck in here <laughs> if it's in a pyramid? But um, anyway, the, basically, to give you the context for that, the game is you go to um, this tomb and it collapses in and you're stuck. And basically, your only goal is to get back out. That's it. And the scenario is literally for first-time players and, mm. and maybe even first-time DM, GMs in terms of how it's written. Yeah, yeah. There's literally nothing you can do in that except explore and learn a bit of lore. That's literally the point in the game mm-hmm. until 30, 40 minutes in, when the, which is when the book actually suggests to you yeah. the beast awakens or the abomination awakes and you have a monster come out. Mm-hmm. And the whole point of the scenario is to teach players about importance of investigation yep. and how scary combat can be, especially if mm-hmm. you're hit by something with two hundred strength, which is an outright kill. I think I, I think somebody insta died actually when I when I ran that for the guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
basically it's completely on rails you don't even need to try and you can't avoid railroading in that for example yeah yeah because again without giving too much away about it for anybody who hasn't played it who oh yeah spoiler to necropolis whoops all that sort of stuff is that you end up trapped so you need to figure a way out otherwise you will die inside that tomb and in general people don't want to starve to death inside an ancient tomb so that plot element ultimately you know forces the players to do that task and that becomes their number one priority and that then triggers certain other things that happens yeah, so in terms of railroading and linear stories, I would agree. It's less offensive, maybe, in these sort of environments. Mm-hmm. Like, for your, yourselves and the guys I'd done it with a couple, last week, two weeks ago, um, I did an introduction with these all. Like, mm-hmm. you go there and there's a worker and you ride a couple camels and you speak to the workers and you get some equipment. None mm-hmm. of that's in that book. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it starts, and maybe this is where they've done this intentionally, you basically do a bit of blurb and then you explain how they get trapped, the players get trapped. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's literally the intro to the story it's a paragraph you read out and I always I prefer just kind of having a bit of like especially if people are new which we were at the time to that um, this guy was new to Cthulhu yeah, always yeah. done a lot of role playing so I thought give him time to introduce themselves and just do some stupid stuff before they inevitably will probably yeah, die ultimately again if it's if it's a new scenario with new characters for them it gives them a chance to kind of figure out what they want to do with it because again like from experience you might have a plan of what you want to do with the character and then you turn up on the day and you don't quite feel that it's either working particularly well with the way that you thought it might in terms of the way you're playing the character or you know if you've decided to do some voice or whatever that's kind of not landing very well at the table or whatever then it gives you a chance to kind of tweak some things before you're properly into the adventure anyway well that's it but because I've done that I've opened myself up to needing to railroad this story because if you just decide no I can't be bothered I'm like ah crap what am I supposed to do now well thanks for playing guys see you later Um, so there there was like actually that is the time where I actually did have to railroad Um, I just went you just need to go in. <laughs> so they tried to get the other NPCs to do go in and all that, and they tried mm-hmm. to get the workmaster there, or whatever the site, mm-hmm. kind of the, the foreman type thing, um, to go in. And I basically was just like, no, we're not getting paid for this. And neither of those guys who it's basically slave labour. At least that's how I read it. Um, so you know that that was kind of, it wasn't too bad though because I had it as a narrative thing they mm-hmm. didn't really pick up on the fact that they were forced to do it you know yeah. uh, but anyway the point of all that is actually even though I railroaded that situation well it's linear anyway you know mm-hmm. and the story you have to meet the monster and it's railroaded because I just forced that upon you but then that's just that's the way this story's built and it's very linear because mm-hmm. of that but it doesn't make it bad and it doesn't mean that small bits of railroad and there's a big problem in it because ultimately as long the book's good at giving you narrative reasons for some of that stuff to happen mm-hmm. especially the monster waking up um, but I mean that is still railroad and it's just that it's built in narratively so it's fine and there's no impact and mm-hmm. due to it being linear well either players can sit and stare at mummified dogs for three and a half hours or they can actually just move into the crypt and then get yep. to see all the cool stuff and then see a dead body and all that cool stuff um, but yeah, so I think overall, in terms of what it means for linear, 
stories I don't think it's too impactful at least I think it's almost yeah. it's easier it's easier to get away with in linear stories I think mm-hmm. like ones that are very strict and closed off but mm-hmm. we've already kind of touched on this with, it, with open world ones and non-linear stories the problem with railroading is it removes player agency and when you're doing open world mm-hmm. the whole point is you're giving players agency and allowing them to explore your world mm-hmm. if you've made it or if it's in a book um, yep. a, a good example would be like the, the campaign we've been doing with Full of Dwarfs it's fully open world or the Curse of Strad is a good store bought one mm-hmm. where there's it's not actually like there's a ticking time bomb but they've built that in modules so and players can go anywhere they want now if mm-hmm. you're unlucky or your players are unlucky they'll go somewhere where they'll be killed by something like Baba Lazaga will just melt them you know in like one turn because she's mm-hmm. super powerful or a hut will do it um, but you know, ultimately that's open world, so railroading becomes quite difficult in that scenario because if people feel like they're getting forced in, mm-hmm. they'll just be like, "What's the point?" It was similar to that game on Monday that I had, um, where it was, you know, the guy doing his first game and he railroaded. Well, I think between us all, we maybe had a dozen dice rolls. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so there's definitely more impact uh, with those particular things. Yeah, yeah, and again with like open world as well. One of the reasons I think it's arguably a kind of more of an issue as well is that you go right. Well, there's there's potentially more to prepare because you want to give players choice, which is the point of doing that. So if they're in Wevertown, they're starting and and they're wanting to explore the wider area, then if it's talking about travelling out with the town well if you come up with you know city A, town B and you know village C or whatever then if you give them oh well there's this over here this over here that over there they're going to pick one of those options because most of the players are going to assume that you've given them the kind of the more interesting places they're not going to turn around and go, right, what's to the south? And you go, well, nothing, it's just fields and a farm. Right, okay, we're going to go there. Yeah, but, the, you know, there's interesting stuff to the north. You know, they're not going to do that. They're not going to end up just walking randomly in a direction. So if you give them those choices, they're more than likely going to pick one of them, which then means that, you know, you're giving them that choice, that free will. <clears throat> whereas if you've got those choices and they pick one and you're trying to then divert them to mm-hmm. some other choice that you prefer or you know you feel more confident that you've prepared or whatever then you know that's where you start getting the issues because you're starting to arguably branch it into being a sort of linear plot line um but again, that's just one sort of thing off the top of my head there. Yeah, I think this is something though, especially with open world, because it can be hard. And I find actually motivating players to mm. do stuff in particular areas can be quite hard in open world games. Um, but you're going, I think what you've said there is actually a good way. It's almost like, a, we'll maybe cover it in more detail later, but um, mm. it really helps... A smarter way to get things moving in a direction you want it to, whether it's actually you can make putting them on a track or not, 
you know, actually offering suggestions is quite helpful. Because if you do say to players, what are you going to do? It you've you've got mm-hmm. you've got every location around you in an open world environment to explore. Yep. Where do you want to go? They'll be like, no idea, and they're probably going to pick the one area <laughs> you've not actually thought about. You know, yeah. the suggestions actually. I mean, it means you're given options. And they can still pick another one if they mm-hmm. want, but you're at least helping them in some way to pick yeah. something that at least you know you've prepared. Yeah, that's the thing. Don't, again, just as a kind of throwaway tip here, don't rely on your players being curious. Mm-hmm. Don't rely on them being, you know, I was going to say dynamic. That's not really what I mean, but don't sure. rely on them, you know, striking up role play with an NPC to kind of see what happens there trigger the curiosity so rather than waiting for them to talk to an NPC have an NPC bump into them and start a conversation you know whether it's somebody getting thrown out of a tavern Mm -hmm. and you know they literally are thrown in in the middle of your players because they're they're drunk and that starts a fight or you know whatever you want to do you know walking past and you know a mum with a, a kid and she's crying and looks down and out or you know what however you're gonna gonna steer them to do whatever it is you want to do you know put put a trigger in that that's gonna appeal to them so if you've got a group of players that are playing characters that are conscientious then again you know the the mum with the kid that's a good trigger there if you've got a group of players that are and walking around thinking that they're, you know, God's gift to gladiators or whatever, then, you know, have the guy getting fired out the bar and into them, you know, pick something that's going to, you know, it's going to make them jump at it. Yeah, that's something that even with the game I've been doing uh, with some of the other, uh, another group of guys, um, there was, a, I, I just was kind of thinking, okay, there's going to be another, like, an eighth player to this group. Just, mm-hmm. I knew they would be there for, like, one or two weeks. So I thought, why don't I make something that introduces them because it was getting kind of high level at that point and they didn't want to do a different game or anything. So um, I was like, okay, so I'll maybe do a side story thing. So it means they get the option to continue the main story, which means this little new guy is going to think, what the hell is going on? Because mm-hmm. there's all this stuff he's never seen before. Or I give them a wee side mission, which actually still ties into the lore. It actually introduces some of the stuff that was mm-hmm. happening in the game that I'd made too. But it becomes its own little mini quest, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I gave them that choice. But the way I done that was I didn't make them seek it out, and they could have seeked it out, but instead I just went screw it. So I had one of uh, an old character that they'd sent away to to one of the players' kind of homesteads to work for them and things. It was a character they really fell in love with, who actually is my dad's character, um, a wee gnome called Gooseberry. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I done is I had him come in at the end of one of their big explorations and they actually helped him like who's this hooded figure that's dead tiny for some reason now that we look at him and he pulls his his mask not his mask his hood back and it's this little gooseberry gnome with a red Mm -hmm. pointy hat who's a spellcaster and he gave them that mission so instead Mm -hmm. of actually hoping that they would go and look in and investigate the the goings ons of all the bad stuff that's been happening nearby that has a magical implication I had one of the guys that they love come in and say we I've just found out there's this big hive of evil things somewhere that way like a big nest of evil mm-hmm. um, and they went oh that's pretty cool they ended up not doing it but the thing is at least that's now on their list to do whereas they would never probably have seen that 
if yeah. it wasn't for that hook to, well I suppose that's mm. what it is the hook to get them in yeah. um, and get them along the trail basically so I I think that's really everything I've got anyway about railroading in a non-linear narrative yeah but. and the only thing that I'd kind of add to that is when we're talking about you know triggering the player curiosity that's that's what you're aiming to do you're aiming to trigger the curiosity you're still giving them the choice of whether they interact with whatever the situation is and also when they then start talking to that character or you know however it works out somebody then talks to them as a result of whatever event that at that point that's when you can then start to give them options you know whether it's well all of a sudden we've got a lot of people coming from the next town over and we don't know why and you know there's all of a sudden this influx of people and we are struggling to cope with the number increase you know what's happening over there I wonder cough 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 and there's one situation and then yeah. wander about and find something else and something else so it, again that's it's all you're wanting to do you're wanting them to ask the question to then do their own thing mm-hmm. rather than going right well everybody's just wandering about here so I guess I, get, I better do something here to get things moving because that's when you start drifting into a linear linear story again so trigger the curiosity and that's I think the way to think about it yeah I think one way as well though I wouldn't like things we're talking about railroad and and it's a lot of the examples I've gave are almost like I mean the whole thing with Gooseberry giving the guys a mission it's not it wasn't railroading because it wasn't it was a side quest anyway so maybe it wasn't the best example but it was an example of the hook Mm -hmm. that you were talking about Um, but you see as a as a DM, if you're if you're running games and things like that, mm-hmm. certainly if you're trying to maybe coerce players back onto the path, that doesn't strictly mean like you're railroading, you know. Because like mm-hmm. we said, a lot of the time when you the term railroading comes in, it's it's only when that agency's removed. Um, mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be worried as as anyone that might be listening and and maybe you're in a place where your players are stuck. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not something that you should feel super bad about if you're trying to get them back on the path but there's ways just to do it you know yeah. I think it might be coming on to that a bit later yeah, on yeah I think that's kind of what what we're coming on to yeah, now which yeah. is well there's railroading mm-hmm. there's what we've kind of talked about there with the triggering somebody's curiosity the dangling the carrot method uh, and then there's another kind of so it's, it's hybrid between those two if you like which is a forced option yeah and this is when I say things like railroading doesn't have to be bad because really there's just degrees of railroading generally I think at least in the way that I've heard it at least when I've spoke to people mm-hmm. about it um, railroading's actually quite often brought up only when actually the the removing the player choice actually occurs mm-hmm. Um, yeah. whereas I mean railroading there's there's loads of degrees if you're trying to get a story moving and you're putting players on a track to experience certain things that's railroading mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how subtle or obvious it is yeah. and how much player choice you remove or do not remove is there but certainly there is a difference between railroading and just completely removing or, or having forced options for players yeah. like you know let's say my guys wanted to go investigate somebody's died on the street and they're like oh that was my favourite shopkeeper so I went to explore what that is 
But meanwhile, your games actually get something more important happening, like, oh, but they were supposed to go and see a wizard which was going to give them the final quest, or actually the big wizard turns out to be a bad guy and he was going to go kill them in the first place. Mm-hmm. Whatever the reason is, if the players find this little side quest, you know, railroading it, I suppose, to some degree, would be like kind of forcing them onto back onto the path, or at least coercing them back onto the mm-hmm. path. But if you just flat out reject a, a player's option... Mm-hmm. to go do that wee side quest that's a forced path and, and removing that and snatching that mm-hmm. from the players is quite bad because there's nothing stopping you as a DM from letting them go do that thing but then have mm-hmm. that evil wizard do his thing and kind of maybe come to them almost but he's now prepared for them yeah. there's plenty of ways you can facilitate everything but there is a difference between just the railroading aspect and actually just forcing options on players mm-hmm. yeah yeah and ultimately the way I would think about it it's the proper railroading there's events that will happen and that that's it that's going to happen it's going to be this 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 until you reach your end point uh, again dangling the carrot all you're doing is you're 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 putting the hint out and you're hoping that they're going to pick up on it so whether it's again you've got an NPC that bumps into your players mm-hmm. whether it's they hear a sound in another room to try and encourage them through but you're not actually physically forcing them into that other room you're not forcing them to talk to that other character you hope that they do for again whatever storytelling reason and you you put that there forced options a little bit different and again kind of hybrid between the two so going back to the, the tomb uh, in the Valley of the Kings. Yeah. So collapse, you can't get out. So what are your your options there? Well, you can sit and wait and hope that there's somebody on the outside that's mm-hmm. going to get you out. You can physically try and lift each of the bricks that are piled up the rubble and try and get out that way. But that will take you however long. Or since you're here, you can go into the tomb explore it and see what's going on in there and maybe try and find something that can help you get out so ultimately those those are your only real options there because sitting down and having a flask of tea is not really going to be doing you much good and you know in a week's time you're in a bit of trouble here so you're having to do certain things because there is an element of danger there that's that's how that's working so there are realistically only a limited set of options mm-hmm. now you're not making the players pick any particular one you're still giving them choice but you've severely limited their choice down so that to me is what a forced option would be rather mm-hmm. than railroading or rather than you know giving somebody a hint and hoping that they, they go in a direction that being totally prepared for them to do absolutely anything. Yeah, and I suppose really when the, the railroading term actually gets thrown out, it's I suppose I kinda of touched on this earlier, but it it kind of once the railroad gets chucked out is like you're railroading, it tends to be when actually the forced options have happened. I suppose that might mm. technically be what the the used definition is um, like Valley of Kings is a good example if players wanted to sit and have tea you really don't want them to do that but the book suggests reasons why you shouldn't do that mm-hmm. but ultimately you can just chuck a monster at them 
you know, uh, and that would do it. It'll make the game mm-hmm. short because the monster's flaming strong, so it mm-hmm. would rip him apart. But also hates tea, I hope. Yeah, it does. It also hates. Well, it likes humans because it likes to eat them. But I mean, that's that's. I mean, that's funny. That's some of its goals. It wants to get out, and if failing that, or if the people try and stop it, it wants to eat them because it's super hungry. So it's literally a food motivated MP, um, big bad evil. It's hungry. Yeah, well, exactly. So I could relate to that monster um, a lot. But um, yeah, so that is kind of the main thing. Like, I think the biggest thing is if you're worried about railroading, basically all I would say is don't worry about doing that if you're mm-hmm. not forcing options on players. Because, yeah. I mean, really, your story needs to move somehow, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, so I wouldn't get too hung up and like, oh, I don't want to force players to need to do certain things. Because mm-hmm. guess what? your story can still go ahead and they can still do what they want mm-hmm. and the more experience you get is in running games the less worried you become by those things the example of that yeah. chase would be interesting is there anything you would do different about that chase you mentioned at the start because you mentioned kind of railroading it a bit I think you said that to get oh the bad guy was going to get killed because he was going to do an, uh, initiate a chase or yeah, something yeah basically because we were using Call of Cthulhu rules That's and right. things that's right. What I was worried about because one of the the players went to initiate combat, so I was worried that we wouldn't actually get to the proper part of the chase. Right. Okay. That's yeah. what I was worried about. So, as he turned to attack, I had the like the main villain, and I had him anticipate the attack and then like push the character or whatever and start running to then initiate that chase rather than having a bit of dialogue and, and whatever else and going on so ultimately yeah, ultimately I would have let the attack happen and combat happen um, but the way I justified it at the time is that the player was facing away from the villain. The villain was behind with a gun pointed at him. Mm-hmm. So he then tried to turn around and surprise him and draw a gun and fire at him before he would fire at him. And my kind of argument at the time was, no, he's already got his gun out and pointed at you. So the second that you move, arguably he's going to shoot you first before you shoot him. So you're quote-unquote lucky here that he just decided to hit you over the back of the head and you know knock mm-hmm. you into the other three guys to do a runner is there anything then you could have done I'm just curious because it's, it's a good example um, is there anything then that you could do different thinking back to change how would you change the outcome of that well that's that's what I'm saying so the thing that I would do different now looking at it is go right well either like a contested role or right what's your dexterity right okay it's higher than the villain so Aye. you'll that's fine, you can surprise him, or no, he's got higher dexterity than you, so he's going to hit you first, but that's now combat happened. And then again, at that point, just have him kind of do a tactical retreat, because there's yeah. three guys in the room, and just him, and back his way out of the room. And then knowing that by the time that you know, you get anywhere even close to the kind of the proper chase starting, that chances are he'd be he'd, he'd be done. done. You know, he'd be done. So you'd be nowhere near it. Um, 
So, so that's what I would tweak in it rather than natural kind of events. I would, at that point, essentially give the players what they wanted and then just deal with the, the outcome of it. So rather than, mm-hmm. again, panicking and thinking that it, mm-hmm. you need to hit the checkboxes, um, just, again, just kind of improvising and going with it and just seeing what happens. Um, but I think that's that's pretty much all I would do there. Um, and elsewhere in that game, there's probably other bits and pieces I could think of if I sat and thought about it. But. It's just funny thinking back on it, because certainly now like there's rules about combat, which I don't even think I ever used in Call of Cthulhu, because I've always avoided combat until kind of mm. when I just I started doing a lot more running it, and I really picked it, I got myself the rule books and stuff, which at the time I never had. But I mean, there's things even around combat and dodging and diving for cover, which mm. actually you can still give the players that, but they're effectively the equivalent of disadvantage with mm-hmm. with diving for cover but then because I wonder even if we'd done it and killed them and it's like oh well actually now these the guards are coming down so it's still initiates a different sort of chase mm-hmm. whereas instead of we, us chasing the baddie the baddies are chasing us as we escape yeah so, yeah it's, it's funny just how thinking back because at the time I would never I wouldn't have known Hmm. how to do that but it's just funny kind of looking at it with hindsight and yeah. just with a lot more experience of mm-hmm. us kind of running games and things how that all kind of form mm-hmm. comes in um, so I, I think then uh, how I would like to kind of talk about railroading and its effect on like player agency and mm-hmm. I think to be honest we might have covered most of this so we don't need to spend any a lot of time on it but yeah. I just in terms because I think really as far as I'm kind of Really, a lot of the time doing these podcasts, you know, I have a topic I want to talk to you about, mm-hmm. and usually I've got my own opinions on it. But when I, we start sounding it out, I start to learn kind of bits more about mm-hmm. maybe kind of really refine my thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. And what I'm kind of feeling is when it comes to railroading, really that's what tends to happen is once the railroading is felt as ra- railroading, it's actually mm-hmm. when player choice is removed. Mm-hmm. So in terms of railroading or removing player choice its effect on player agency how do you feel that is for like small railroading we know with big railroading it's removing it completely Um, how do you think the impact of kind of coercing players to do things affects player agency if at all again I think it's 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 more to do with what the players perceive just yeah, kind of touching on what you were saying. Uh, yeah, so if, I would say if they too. get to the end of the night and they've got absolutely no idea that they were forced into a decision or their options get cut back, then you know, job done, success, well done. Um, and also to kind of go down the philosophical route, if a player doesn't know they've been railroaded, have they been railroaded? Well, uh, yeah. there's that aspect of yeah. it as well. Mm-hmm. So, although we're talking about it as a thing, as happening, as as it being black and white, that's only the case because you're the DM mm-hmm. and you know what's going on because you know every kind of detail Probably of what's happening. And, mm-hmm. But from the player point of view, then if you've got no idea it's happened, then has it actually happened? So... Ultimately, although you might remove player choice, although you might remove free will, then if they get to the end of the night and they don't realise that's happened, then have you really done that? 
arguably you haven't. Um, so that's ultimately the thing. If you're gonna, to me, if you're gonna railroad, then if everybody picks up on it, then it needs to be for a decent reason. Mm-hmm. And again, if it's a one shot and you're not picking it up again next week or whatever fine okay fair enough everybody will get that and understand that yeah. if you've got a decent group of players but if you're doing an open world campaign and you railroad it then you better have a half decent explanation because everybody's turning up thinking that they're in control and they're making the choices and you then you know you flip the rules on them without telling them without explaining yeah. it and if you've then not got a good reason for doing it then the the danger is that they feel cheated or again upset or you know whatever happens with whatever group of players that are you know more robust less robust whatever so that's that's kind of my sort of thinking on it if it's more to do with the perception from the players point of view and and how they they react to the the actual railroading, whether it's full blown railroading, whether it's yeah. forced options, and yeah. whether it's again dangling the carrot here and there. Yeah, I think the way I kind of see it is you've got being railroading and being railroaded, which is like when you've lost the player agency mm-hmm. completely. And the way to kind of see it is, I mean, the thing is, if players don't realise you're doing it, it's because sometimes you do have to force some options on folk. Like sometimes mm-hmm. you do need to limit options. Yeah, but. As long as it's narrative, if it makes narrative sense, and that's it doesn't matter because it's the same thing with the um, Valley of the Kings at um, Necropolis, mm-hmm. where you get locked in that you've got to get locked in that cave, and once you're locked in, your choices are very limited, you know. But that's just part of the story. That's that's part of the situation they need to get yeah. out of. Um, but I so I kind of see it like the more that you try and get somebody back onto the rails. Mm-hmm. That's the more agency that you might need to remove. Now you might be coercing a lot more, but eventually that might that still might not work. So mm-hmm. if you find yourself really needing to target folk to get onto those on back onto the tracks, mm-hmm. then you're kind of looking at removing a lot of the agency. So it's just yeah. worth considering that when you are mm-hmm. maybe trying to get people. You know, when you're designing stories, it's not as bad. It all feels like it's going to work until you run it, and then you're like, oh god, <laughs> no one's doing a damn thing that I've prepared for for the last two weeks mm-hmm. um, that's kind of how I see it um, yeah. and I think yeah that, that's really how I just see like railroad and its effect on player agency mm-hmm. um, I would say if you do need to pull people back into the tracks there is maybe ways to do it um, is yeah. there anything actually about that in, in terms of kind of having smart railroading well just quickly yeah, before we ahead. jump on to that if just picking up on what you're saying yeah. the more you feel that you're having to force somebody back on the tracks for sticking with that metaphor yeah then every, every time that you you feel that you need to do that you also need to ask yourself why am I doing it and is this the best way to do it and if you do then do it is it going to make an ultimate difference to the story at the end of the day? Yeah. You need to ask yourself that. And the more of a tug to get them back onto the track that you're doing, you need to 
you need to look at those questions a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper. So the more effort you need to put in, the more effort you need to put into those questions to, personally speaking, to make sure that you're you're keeping, again, it's a game at the end of the day, to keep, make sure everybody's still yeah. having fun and that everybody's enjoying themselves and so on and so on and so on. But um, but in terms of the, the smarter railroading, really, really, really simply, you can you can look at ways of doing it and when's the right time to do it and whatever else, but a super simple way is to go, right, try dangling the carrot, then after that, try move on to forced options, then after that, you know, full blow, blowing railroading, because what you're doing is you're gradually removing choice each time you kind of jump up a category there. So if you can again, like they're out in the woods and they hear a branch snap behind them. They do not have to go and check that, but if you're wandering about in the middle of the, the woods and it's a D&D campaign, it's a typical yeah. D&D campaign, first thing everybody's going to think is, oh, that's someone behind us. Or loot, <laughs> is what I call people that I kill. <laughs> loot. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so the first thing that they're going to do is they're going to start thinking about being ambushed and all these other things so they're going to get themselves prepared and then they're then going to investigate the sound and figure out what's going on there and again ultimately that could be absolutely anything that you're doing there it could be an animal walking past but when the animal walks past oh goodness me look there's a mine shaft I wonder what's down there blah 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 whatever right but again there's there's dangle on the carrot in that situation you've you've left it there for them to explore if they decide that they're not doing it they just stay in position right nobody's appeared we've not been ambushed yet it's pretty obvious that we're ready right let's carry on then well at that point walking further down the, the line make them do dexterity saving throws at that point if somebody fails then there's a mine shaft that's been covered over but you know, it's collapsed, character falls down it, then everybody else there goes, hmm, right, do we save our pal who's down the mineshaft, or do we walk away and leave them? That's a forced option, they don't have to go and save their pal, they could walk away and leave them, nah, down the mineshaft, they're a goner, none of us have got rope, bye, but you're, you're still giving them choice, you're giving them choice of how they get in, how they go down, and so on, and so on, and so on, and then again, the railroading is that you know they all fall down the mine shaft and that you don't give them a chance to roll or if you give them a chance to roll you make the DC ridiculously high and you know whatever else so again just a rough example that is off the top of my head um, but that's really really simply what I would look to do first before you know, before looking at like when and where to do it and mm-hmm. things like that. So if you if you think about it in those sort of broad terms of see if the players will do it themselves, limit their options to try and force them into doing it, and then if they still haven't done it, then actually physically forcing them down that route at some point in the future. That would be the kind of 
the easiest way to think about smart railroading, I would think. It's interesting. I actually see the, the forced options being more, so I'm just curious to see how you're defining it there. Mm-hmm. I kind of see that being the bit after railroading, because that's like the bit where you've made, it's maybe not options is the wrong word though. Mm-hmm. I kind of think of it more like the forced, like that's the forced outcome, almost like the railroad, mm-hmm. like so the mineshaft thing and everybody following those saving through. I see that as like you've forced that situation upon them. Um, so yeah, now it's just so it's interesting just to hear that side of it. Yeah, well, I mean, ultimately, like going going back to the like the tomb when it has the cave in. Yeah, like if you look at that, you go, well, you need to get out of the tomb, and again, <laughs> or die. you can or die if you fancy doing that instead. Um, so you can physically lift each individual brick by hand or again you can explore the tomb and you can you know you've got options within that situation but you're leaving it up to the players to decide but mm-hmm. what they can't do again is go ah, do you know what I can't be bothered doing this so I'll wait at the shanty town and you know do a bit of shopping you know they can't do that they yeah. physically need to figure out a way of getting out yeah, yeah. Yeah. so again in the, the sort of mineshaft scenario that I came up with that's what I was I was Try to kind of mean as well. Yeah, no, you don't sense. have to go down the mine to save your pal, but you probably should. Mm-hmm. So you're you're forcing them to do that. But what they could also do is go right. Okay, they've just fell down that there, but that looks a bit steep and dangerous. Let's have a look for other mine shafts. We'll be back in five minutes. Whatever you know, blah 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 blah. You know, there's other things that they can do because you're not physically making everybody fall down it that's, yeah. that's what I was kind of getting no, at there's it makes other sense. things to do it makes sense it's that, that's the kind of difference mm. between being railroad um, and again like leaving somebody at the, the mine shaft that they fell down and right let's wander back to the town because yeah. you know maybe the locals will know a safe way to get in so you know you're splitting the party and you know whatever else you're doing you're you're at least giving them an option but you've kind of nudge them in the direction yeah, rather than yeah. hoping they wander there themselves. It's kind of that difference between railroading someone and just having them railroaded completely like mm-hmm. everyone's down and you're now in the shaft. That's like no choice, totally gone. Yeah. I totally get what you're saying there. I think I think in terms of smart railroading for me, it's simple and it's the same with practically every flaming thing I say whenever it's when it comes mm-hmm. to advice with D and D speaking to somebody recently about advice. The big one for me is if it makes narrative sense for whatever limitation you're needing to put on someone, for mm-hmm. whatever reason, going back to the Necropolis one, the whole point is you're stuck in the cave, eh, the, the tombs, mm-hmm. and now you've got to deal with how you're going to do it. That's mm-hmm. the narrative, that's the setup. so it's actually easier for that to get away with it. But similar to having, I'm trying to think of the last thing I've done, um, the guys that were doing Pulp Game of Cthulhu had ran um, earlier this week, um, there's certain things that they have to do and I, don't, I won't spoil it in case you just play it at some point but there is there's certain things that had to get done early on before the other things triggered so I, I'd set up a narrative around that, that meant that they would have to do it you know because mm-hmm. let's just say if you want a if you want to open the door you have to push the button to open it do you know what I mean so that's yeah. like there's ways that you can make that happen 
Uh, and talking about smart railroading as well, or at least having it done in a way that makes more sense, mm-hmm. the kind of list of questions you had when you spoke about if you feel like you're, you're needing to tug a lot, you need to ask yourself a mm-hmm. couple of questions. I can't remember the bear off the top of my head, but it's like, why is it? One of the things I would actually even put into that, because it might stop you feeling like you need to worry about trying mm-hmm. to put people back on a track. Because mm-hmm. like I say... When I'm doing games and I've got a story, I don't really try and railroad anyone anymore. I just have the story keep going. If they miss stuff, they miss it, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's fine because at least they'll feel like they've done something meaningful as long yeah. as they've earned something from it, from whatever they've done. They'll still feel it's meaningful. And mm-hmm. usually what I'll do with these extra situations is I'll drop in little bits that, that will bring them back to the story anyway in the mm-hmm. end. Um, so I don't need to particularly railroad someone to keep the story moving. I just let it happen and drop hints here and there because mm-hmm. they'll, they'll come back to it anyway, especially if the story's interesting enough. But um, going back to your questions, one of the things I would even ask is, oh, is that thing that I've went to do, is it really going to affect the story anyway? Like, is there anything I can make, it, make, make happen? Well, just that example that I just gave. Is there anything I can make that side thing that players want to do instead of what I want them to do? And the things that they're doing that's a side quest, is there anything mm-hmm. I can do to link that in? Yeah. In the first place, then you don't even need to care. Once you kind of get comfortable with that level of um, improvisation in a game, you're going to find she's not even going to be talking about railroading anymore. Um, it's, you just don't need to care about it because mm-hmm. the players are doing what they want. You're still getting links to your story and people go, oh, it's all interconnected. Even though you probably never planned that ahead of time, I'm guilty of that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm really guilty. But I think ultimately, you said something earlier that's a good point. Um, Sometimes it's just worth just being honest with folk. Like, you see, if the guys, like I talked about doing Necropolis, the whole point Mm -hmm. is you get locked in, but I added intros to just to let people roleplay. And you see, if they just messed around for two hours and still never went in, I would just say, hey, look, guys, this is a one shot. It's literally an hour and a half, two hours max. And we've done never and a half. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to get. You, you may as well just go just just so you can actually see more of the story. You know, mm-hmm. I've done that because it's a one shot. You know, it's not a big game and it's linear, so I don't really mind if I had to get to that point. I would just say that to them, yeah. and your players will understand. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think I can't remember the example you gave about that, but you know, whatever it was, it, it it's the same thing. It was just you know, just sometimes just be okay with folk just say to them and they'll get it they're not going to be like oh whereas mm-hmm. if you start just saying no you're not allowed to do that then they'll be like uh, why because I thought I was playing the game whereas if you just kind of go hey look guys same thing if people talk around the table and they don't do anything you're kind of like hey look just give me like this guy finish his choice and stop talking over him you know for whatever reason mm-hmm. um, they'll get it and especially if you know you play with them or they've played a lot of games they'll understand it you know, even guys ran a game with seven new players all online and it was a nightmare and they were all drunk as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to sit and kind of go, like, guys, like, you should maybe go and do the story. Because <laughs> they were sitting throwing snowballs at each other and trying to fight each other. And then Call of Cthulhu, I don't care if you're taking 1d3 of damage, that's, that can be three points of damage you take. And mm-hmm. that's a lot. And these guys wanted to... snowball. Well, exactly. And they wanted to scrap in the snow and I went guys you don't want to do that because I had monsters <laughs> ready to eat them you know so I know they would all die if they had a scrap before mm-hmm. the game before the the actual game started and not just in the intro mm-hmm. so but in that case I'd, I'd actually need to railroad them but I just said hey guys look do you want to just start going just so we're not up to four in the morning and they were like no problem so don't don't especially in linear stories don't worry so much about it just talk to the players I think we've spoken about communication yeah. to death and we'll continue to do it 
Yeah, um, yeah, and again, if we hadn't mentioned it before, which I can't quite remember if we did, but mm. the shorter the campaign that you're doing, again, I think personally the more forgivable railroading is, just like you're saying, because mm-hmm. of time constraints. And then another thing, which is a, a kind of smaller kind of sub part of that is that if you're in somewhere like again the comic shop or yeah you know wherever else if you're paying to rent a table or a space then you know at some point you're saying right okay well everybody might enjoy themselves if you know three years in they're still you know in the one area and nobody's moved and the story hasn't progressed but if time wise you've kind of budgeted it for one session and that drags on then you go right well you're paying twice to get no, that thing yeah. done explored whatever and I, again ultimately that's maybe not the best way of thinking about it because if everybody's enjoying themselves then well great but um, if you're actually paying for something rather than you're you know you're meeting up in a house or whatever then again railroading's maybe going to be better suited for that to, again, so that you're not feeling like you've wasted time and money and whatever else there as well. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think really what it comes down to is you, you'll know best with your story, if you're running a game, mm-hmm. you'll know best kind of what you need to do to make it work. And if you're going to try and dangle carrots and things, just do it narratively and people won't know. If you actually need to go as far as forcing people to to do a certain set of things to keep things moving make it narratively work and the best way to do that is as soon as you have the idea start dropping hints in mm-hmm. you know for example if you want people to go to the bottom of a mine then but your players are kind of humming and hawing about it and might mm-hmm. want to go back outside and go back to town we'll just talk about the crackling in, in the area um, or, or the structure looks weak you know just put in hints mm-hmm. and then that will either prompt them to keep going deeper which they probably won't or they'll go back out but then you can be like well you can do that but you're not sure you'll get back in, you know. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're inside, you might find other ways out. But if you're, you know, mm-hmm. so there's loads of ways you can kind of introduce that. Mm-hmm. If you do it narratively, it will be fine. Um, especially, but if you ever do need to just be like, okay, hold up, <laughs> go in. If you, it's better just to be honest with folk and don't be too worried about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, I don't think railroading will be a big issue for folk if you don't need to worry so much about the time. Like I don't yeah. now I don't care if a game takes like that Necropolis game I done was about four hours. It's supposed to be two hours maximum, you know. Mm-hmm. Um but players wanted to talk to NPCs for ages and they wanted to mess around with each other and, yep. and kind of scare people with mummified dogs and all that, push their head into them and just do silly RP moments. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. You know what? I don't I don't care because ultimately as soon as I'm bored I can go, monsters coming in three, two <laughs> Um, but I let them go do stuff and it's fine because if mm. you don't worry so much about the length similar to the long term campaign I'm doing that was a one shot that turned into a year and there's mm-hmm. episodes that have taken six weeks to do which I thought would be one game and there's also side quests that I never thought would come up but or at least I never thought they would engage with um, and they've taken weeks at a time so I, it's just a bit you, you'll know what's best for your game but you'll probably find when you start getting comfortable with improvising you don't need to worry about forcing it because you can use some of the wee smart tools there yeah. like you know if somebody does something that's not part of the main story tie it in that's yeah. it yeah, yeah. Now that's a way to kind of kind of force people back into the game but without it makes narrative sense and you could build a lot <laughs> more onto your story with that and make it 
make yourself look like a big brained god of running games when actually you just went oh right cool I better just note down that that was linked because I'll forget which I've done like eight or nine times Jordan do you remember that NPC that shopkeeper that actually had this secret gem that actually unlocked a door what are we talking about no and I'm like, oh wait it's in my notes um, but you know it's all, all that sort of stuff and you'll get used to it mm-hmm. um, I, I think that's kind of the main stuff for me about it is there any kind of closing thoughts you've got just kind of pretty much echoing what you said so if you are going to railroad try and keep it within the narrative yeah. if not and if it needs to be done and again sometimes you do need to do it again time being an issue or you know, whatever other. else yeah. right you're doing a linear story and everybody's walking in the opposite direction and the way it should be progressing, then that's it's fine, do it, don't worry about doing it. Um, again, keeping it within the narrative, that's the best thing that you can do, but if you do need to be more overt about it, don't panic about it if it needs to be done, because again, most players will understand, um, and again, I think most groups are kind of are going to be alright with it because they want to see the story especially if they know it's linear um, rather than finding out at the end of the night that well actually we could have got more of the story done but everybody was distracted with something else so don't panic about that um, and again really really simply like we talked about before try drop some hints if that's not working try to limit the choices if that's not working, then think about railroading them down the path. Um, and I think that's it in its most kind of basic, basic form. Try to do as little as you can, but if you do need to do it, don't panic about doing it. Trust your instincts with it. Again, ask yourself, is it necessary? You know, what's going to be the outcome of it? Is it, you know, ask yourself those questions that we said earlier on and uh, yeah I think that's pretty much yeah basically, basically if you can tie in the narrative it'll be fine and even if players don't do what you want them to do like or maybe they haven't went to that special thing that they wanted to go and do there's nothing stopping you like I mentioned earlier trying to link a narrative hook into that like maybe they're supposed to go and check this village out because there's something secret in there they need to get well you can have a villager walk past them he goes, oh, what the hell is that? Or they're running away because something bad's happened or someone else has tried to steal the, the player's loot. So there's plenty of stuff you can do that will kind of bring them into it. Um, and, and that's about it. And I think ultimately sometimes you do need to just get moving because people won't stop negotiating with each other and you just have to go make up your mm. mind. A perfect example, a very easy example, but it's, it's like almost the same as Railroad and it would be if somebody's sitting in combat and they're sitting there for three minutes trying to decide if they're going to punch someone or if they're going to shoot someone else with a crossbow bolt. Mm. Well, you can just go, I need you to just decide. You know, mm. and they'll get that, you know. And, yeah. and don't you don't need to be rude about it, but you can you can say it and, and people will understand because ultimately mm. you're still playing a game and things need to move. Yeah. Um, so I think that's it really from me uh, you've heard our take so we would love to hear what you guys have to kind of say about it especially we've asked at the start but if you guys have had experience with being railroaded and it was you thought oh that makes sense or you were like I hated that because it was terrible mm-hmm. we'd love to hear that from a player perspective but even if you're a DM or a GM mm-hmm. let us know kind of it doesn't matter what game system it is you know have you had to do that if so how have you done it how did your players take it if they even noticed in the first place mm-hmm. it would be dead interested in hearing that yeah it would be interesting as well uh, if 
there's any players out there that don't think they've been railroaded and then when they speak to their DM or GM and they turn around and go well in you know such and such a game at this point I had to do this and then finding out what their thoughts are now that they've found out that it has happened to them when they didn't realise it happened and how they feel if they felt cheated by it um, do they, are they not bothered you know that'd be interesting as well so if there's any stories like that as well um, that's the ones I'd be kind of interested to see yeah and I'd be surprised if some players if some DMs even reveal some of those secrets it's the same well, thing well that, that, that's the thing though isn't it oh no no everything everything you've done was all your choice and it oh you know why did you make plan. that podcast episode you idiots <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'll wait for the comments to flood with that. IDM's getting fired in. How dare you? It's the same thing, like, with, you know, people fluffing rolls. I don't fluff dice for mine and I don't mm. fluff damage because I'm like, see if I screw up a fight and I demolish players, that's my problem as a DM. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just me, whereas I know, I think people talking, DMs talking about railroad and might be the equivalent of them admitting to pretending that they fluffed dice. Or, oh, no, sorry, actually fluffing dice. Mm-hmm. Oh, you didn't? Oh, you actually died? Mm-hmm. Whoops, okay, I actually missed that role, but I'm pretending it hit you. I know. Um, yeah. But, oh, well, we'll get to that anyway. So, well, we'll find out when people start putting the comments in or don't start putting the comments in. Aye. And we'll find out. It's a, uh, what is it? It's guilt, guilt by omission, uh, if, if nobody <laughs> yeah. admits it in the comments. Um, but anyway, thanks for watching or listening if you're listening. If you are listening, please give us a follow on Spotify or whatever platform you've actually got us on. Uh, if you're watching mm-hmm. please give us a like subscribe if you want to hear more if you've got suggestions about something you want to see or hear yep. just let us know you can do that through the social media platforms yep. I've already talked about or um, if if you're in the YouTube comments or wherever it, it may be just mm-hmm. drop us something and we'll be sure to see it and, and add it to the backlog because really we're wanting to the whole point of this is to engage with mm-hmm. uh, actually the, the area of this because it's something we yeah. both really like and both love to do and yeah. um, yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing. Um, we we're as keen to be talking about topics that other people bring up as the things that we want to talk about ourselves. So just if there's anything that we've not covered that you want to see, or if you want us to expand on anything that we've maybe just skimmed across, then let us know with that as well. Yeah, uh, and um, I think that's pretty much it from us. So Jordan's told you all the social media stuff to do. Uh, again, if you're on YouTube, then you can hit the wee bell, turn it on so that you get all our videos pushed to you rather than just the recommended ones as well. And I think other than that, it's that's pretty much it from us. Yeah, that'll be it from us. So thanks very much for listening and watching, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Yep, see you then. Mm-hmm.